Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Christina, are you ready for this one? Oh my gosh. I'm not sure. I'm I'm a little concerned. I'll just be very... It's early in the day for this. <laughs> it, is. it is. It is. Okay. Oh, we need to give a disclaimer with this episode. Yes, please. You know, please, please, please. All of our episodes <laughs> are marked explicit so that we have the freedom to drop a bomb and don't have to worry about, you know, getting sued or something. But this one, we really are going to go into the weeds about some things that really are not appropriate for probably anyone under 21. And so if you were born, you know, if you've got a 19 in front of your year of birth, you're good. Everybody else, you should go find something else to do. (laughs) If you have Um, a 19, Gil, what? other? We clearly don't know how to do math. We're just like. If you have a 19 in front of your year that you were born, that that's good Well, that enough. made sense because, you know, 22 and under. So um, also probably shouldn't listen to this episode. My brother, Adam, shout out to Tanya and Adam for listening. My cousin, Chris, y- y'all might should just look away today or <laughs> listen with your wives and let them explain what we're talking to. Because I don't know if I can look at you at the next family picnic after these conversations. But today we're going to talk about our vaginas. And I know we talk a lot about our vaginas, um, but we're going to really go in the weeds about our vaginas today. And let me tell you why this is important. We're not just trying to be, you know, tacky and, you know, that's not what we're about here. We're about education. We're about change. We're about raising our united collective voices. And we're about making things better for future generations. So, Christina, you have a Take a deep breath because we're going to jump in quickly here. Oh. So we welcome our guest. Her name. <laughs> well, one thing, let me tell you, she lives in my hometown here. Well, my hometown's actually Georgia, but my adopted hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. Her name is Karen Freeland, and she's written a book called The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir. <laughs> so that ought to tell you a little bit about where we're going today. So Karen, welcome to Midlife Moxie. Hello, it's good to be here. Let's talk about some vaginas. Let's do it in our best southern <laughs> southern twangs, right? We're going to go southern oh on you today, Christina. Oh, I'm loving this, Karen, because we have so many guests from California and from the Northeast, and they think I talk funny. And now we're going to let them know they talk funny. So, Yes, I love it. Christina, I thought one of your questions that you had right out of the game, why did you write this book? I oh, think yeah. we start there. Yeah, let's like tell tell me why. What what was the what was the purpose? What what, what were you trying to accomplish when you sat down and said, "I'm, I'm going to just talk about my vagina." <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That is usually the first question that everyone gives me because it is kind of strange. Uh, and I don't know that I actually thought I would ever publish this book either when I first started writing it. I think it was a little more just like self-discovery um, and just like, hey, I wonder if I could write a book. And then once I started writing it, I was like, crap, this is really good. I was like, I have to actually follow through on this. Um, so it, the idea actually came from my husband. 
when I was about seven or eight months pregnant, I went to the OB and I write about it in chapter 30, all lubed up with nowhere to go. And the OB was like, you know, you have to prepare your body for birth. And I'm like, yeah, I'm taking a Lamaze class. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do this. She's like, no, no, you need to do this thing called the perineal massage where you take olive oil, put it on your fingers, and then rub the vagina, excuse me, the vulva, <laughs> the outside of our vagina. Because like, I don't even know body parts, right? And so as you do that, it's supposed to stretch out the skin and prepare it for birth so you don't tear. Had no idea, girl. And had no idea. To- <laughs> yeah, me either. Me neither. I was like, this did not come in the manual for having babies. I'm confused. Yeah. So I never was going to do it. You know, I'm like, oh, this yeah. is stupid. Wait, can, can we just pause for a second, Karen? Why is that not yeah. in what to expect when you're expecting? Like, it needs to be in that book, I don't right? Know. Like, yes. Seriously? Okay. I thought it was like witchcraft <laughs> or something. So I was like, I'm not doing this. Like, I, what is this? Some sorcery, some vagina voodoo. I don't know. You know here's I'm not the doing thing. it. And this is going to be the theme for today's show is all these things we did not know. Yes. And there's yes. really no reason that we should not have known. There's no reason we had to walk into this ill-prepared. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking this morning about who this episode was really, you know, going to be for, who's really going to enjoy it. And I thought about all of us who were born in the 60s or 70s and got our sexual education from Cosmo magazine. Mm-hmm. Because yes. that was the most scandalous <laughs> thing available was a good Cosmo. You know, you would sink off to your bedroom to read the article about how to give your man the best sex and all these things. And that wasn't even very graphic, but that's all we had. Mm -hmm. And that was my education. Uh, So I'm curious about, did either of your moms talk to you in depth about sex? No. Oh, no. 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 And that's really, you know, you asked the purpose of why I wrote the book. That was very much it because I didn't want other women to feel alone or go through these mm. experiences feeling ill-prepared or feeling like they were broken. You know, my, my parents We think we're the were only like, one. Mm-hmm. We do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do. And then it can be very embarrassing to ask. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm very careful about what I Google because, you <laughs> yes. know, when I commit a crime one day- or I die, I'm afraid they're going to like get my computer and say, well, the last thing she Googled was masturbation and, <laughs> you know, your clitoris and all that stuff. And well, I'm like, yes. I just cannot. So so Gail's is, she's so, so concerned about what she's Googling. And mine is, I have to make sure that I have clean chones on every single day because oh. <laughs> you never know if something's going to happen and you got to go to the hospital. So... We're, yeah, we're going to talk about those chones. <laughs> I've got some good questions there. So let's start back at the beginning. In the beginning of the book, you really go into your first time that you felt some tingling down there. And I thought that, I, that mm-hmm. really, I'm just going to tell you this, Karen, the book really took me back to all my first experiences. And I think uh, you're so right in the book. You talk about how like the first time we feel some something down there you don't even know what that is or why it's feeling some kind of way but you kind of feel like you want it to do it some more Uh, (laughs) yes that had to be first of all how did you did you have journals that you had documented all this or do you just have a really great memory So it was a little bit of both. I did use my journals, but I wasn't journaling about this stuff when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. I would have been, yeah, I would have been 
scared that someone mm-hmm. would have found it. <laughs> so no, this was definitely um, just memories because I think they were so so vivid in my mind because it was such a standout moment that it's kind of like you can't forget that experience, you know? Well, we like, also sometimes I remember carry everything shame. about the sleeping bag. We carry around shame <laughs> about it. We carry around questions oh, sure. about it. We thought we were the only one. And I don't know. I really hate that our moms were unable, and I'm going to use that word instead of willing, that yeah. were unable to really talk to us in a way that I could have appreciated. Now, I probably wouldn't have appreciated at the moment because my mom and I had a different relationship. We weren't friends. My mom was parent, period, the end with a capital P. She did not need to be your yeah. friend. That was not the goal. The goal is to get you here healthy and happy and successful. But like, Christine, do you remember the first time you felt something brewing down there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. I mean, it was kind of, did you know what was going no, on? had no idea. I mean, just kind of. How old were you, do you think? Uh, I would say, well, probably like around third grade. So I don't know. How old are you How old are you in third grade? Like, You'd be about eight or nine. So yeah. you're, you're mm-hmm. right in yeah. that. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. when my first one was, but it did take me back to this memory. I remember being cognizant of a romantic type feeling for a boy in elementary school, not just, oh, they're friends, because mm. there was this older guy that I used to see in the hallways. I was obsessed with this guy. So I know that <laughs> long before my period came, that there was something in my body and something in my makeup that gave me this attraction to a dude. And, I, you know, yeah. there was some... Something that made me feel that way rather than just, oh, I want to be his friend and play on the playground. I mean, I had bigger plans <laughs> she, for she wanted She wanted to play guy. on the playground. Yeah. Play, you know. Making out and top of the slide. Yeah. And this is like fourth grade, you know, and I'm thinking, as, as I read what you were saying, I was thinking, gosh, we start to have sexual feelings. Maybe not full on, but something yeah. is happening in right. our bodies way before that period comes along and what we consider... Um, you know, puberty. And I thought that was very interesting and something I had never thought about. So what it tells me is we need to be having these conversations with our daughters much younger, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And not be ashamed of it because I I almost felt ashamed. I was like, should I take this chapter out? Am I really going to tell people about this? Am I this? dirty? Like, Am I the dirty little girl? Right. Am I the only one who this early? So I was like, ugh. But I'm so glad I left it in because I've had so many women come back to me be like, oh, my gosh, I used to, like, cross my legs and squirm around on the floor. And then my mom was like, you can't do this in front of your dad. (laughs) She's just, like, watching TV, like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, know, you'll see little girls enjoying the out vents at the pool. (laughs) I mean, let's just be honest. And I think there's more chance we can protect our daughters better if they kind of know what's going on from predators and stuff. So right. then came the period years, and I really want to mm. talk about this because mm. my mom told me everything from a very almost medical point of view. You know, these yes. are the facts, Jack. There was no nuance to it. Christina, how did your mom present it? You know, I, I she really didn't. Like, it, it was so funny. We were just wow. having this conversation the other day, and she goes, you know, you, you started at like uh, – she said, you started at 12. And I looked at her and I said, no, I didn't. I started my period at 11, mom. And she was like, you did? I'm like, 
Yeah. And I remember, you know, it was, we were at our old house. I was upstairs. It was summer. And I remember it happened. And my mom's like, it happened. Here's what you do. You put that on and you change it every so often. And I was like, oh, okay. Nobody told me about leakage. Nobody told me about there's another choice where you could wear tampons, you know. I oh, kind heavens, of learned, no, those were I for whores. I that for I mean, my peers, no. m- more or less. Oh, like, uh, you know, no, yeah, no, 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 exactly. No, no. There were you, you no don't, you don't mention tam- of the tampon. Yeah, you don't wear a tampon. On like short drive, mm-hmm. trust me, because that was yeah. only for naughty girls. Oh, and that's really what I thought. Yeah. I thought you had to have had sex first. Mm-hmm. And now oh. girls are running around in thongs and tampons at 11, you know, and I'm here well, 18 probably before I, I even I, gave it a big try. I got with a diaper yeah, on, right? But I got. <laughs> I, I want to talk about that. I got yeah. another another viewpoint of it, and it was like when my peers were talking about tampons, I was like, "What is? What is a tampon? What's a tampon? Because I don't know what a tampon is." Yeah, and uh, and so my mom, I said, "You know, can I? Should I start using this? I think I should start using this." She's like, "Oh, you can get toxic. What is that? Toxic shock syndrome. Toxic shock syndrome. And so that it was, was the like, thing of the day. it was like." Don't do it. Don't do it. So it was like super see, you afraid. Were, you're about 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So in my day, toxic shock syndrome had not come along, but it was still very much only naughty girls use tampons because mm-hmm. they were all, you know, busted up down there apparently already. But <laughs> Karen, I love the visual you paint of your first day of trying to maneuver the 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 maxi pad stick on mm. and the experience of the boys taunting you on the bus because mm. I think we all remember a moment where we have some trauma. Mm. And I remember mm. this, like, go ahead and tell your experience, then I'm going to tell you mine. I think we all can relate to something like this. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I'm in a hurry to get out the door. The bus is coming down the street. My mom just basically said, grab a bunch of pads and, you know, same thing, change them every six hours, six hours, whatever. So I like, I'm trying to do the math and throw them in. Well, of course, in my haste, I don't do my book bag up all the way. And so I'm just bouncing along in my little diaper feeling, walk, waddling onto the bus and well, of course, one of the boys, you know, if you will, the, the bus bully, uh, sees the tampon or the pads in my bag and is like, oh, look at that. Look who got their period. And of course, I could have had it for a while. But, you know, he kind of knew that age. And it was just like the bus erupts in this whole chant. Freeland got her period. Freeland got her period. It, yeah. Oh, that was fun. Mm. Um I mean, I look back now and laugh, and I'm like, I should have just been like, you know, you know what? Who you, which was I basically his mother? was. But who was his mother? Yeah. Who did not teach me any yeah. better than this? For real. Well, mine And that's my was... thing. It's like with my boys, I want to make sure that they're like the kid who takes off their hoodie and gives that's it to right. the girl and is like, here, that's, you yeah, it's absolutely wrapped this you know around I mean? you. Like, here, yeah, honey. that's my son. We have discussed sure. that so yeah. many times on this show. Be the be the valiant knight in that situation. Yeah. Well, being the generation yeah. before you two. We didn't yet have the backpack situation going on. So the the real cue that something was going down is when the girls started carrying a purse to school. And I remember the boys got my purse in the hallway. And they were throwing it like this big alley-oop across this crowd of people. Mm. And I remember just being petrified. I was going to say. Frozen. uh, Yeah. 
Like you didn't know what to do. You couldn't even do anything. Because I just knew someone was going to open my purse and see it right there. Or it was going to fall out. A maxi pad, oh. you know. Oh my gosh, right? That's the way. Like we... you're some kind of weirdo. Like you're the only person who has that in their purse. Meanwhile, 20 other girls or however many are walking around the halls feeling the exact same way. And it, what it does is it teaches us to just... be shamed of our body. Yeah. That shit's got to stop. And yeah. I don't know if it's still going on yes. today because, you know, now we see the panty liners and carefrees flying off the television. Back in the day, that wasn't the case. And it was really traumatic for young girls. I mean- First of all, we're like you, worrying about... Okay, wait a minute. Let me back up. First of all, we have to decide what to wear. Because when you're on your period, people don't understand. And this is part of what this show is all about, is all the things we go to relating to her vagina that are way above just babies and menopause. There's, what am I going to wear? It can't be too loose or your diaper will... Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about yeah. having your loose panties. I thought, oh, that's never going to hold that joke You have to place. wear the, the biker shorts underneath the the jeans right. or the pants well, so that y'all are next generation. Yeah. I didn't have that option. We still wore white cotton panties oh, from no. JCPenney. No. And they didn't hold them in place. So your diaper's swishing around. And <laughs> you couldn't wear anything too tight. It had to be tight enough yeah. to hold things in place. But not because you see it, yes. right? Yeah, if it mm-hmm. was just loose and moving that bagginess from behind, you know, you've seen people in a in a knit dress mm-hmm. and the tail end of their diapers wagging around. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of kinds. You just had that big landing strip between your legs. And I remember even wearing, like, jeans when it goes up in the crack of your derriere and kind of separates yep. it, that the wings start looking like, you know, they're going to take off. I mean, y'all, the, those of you who didn't go through that, I mean, what color you're going to wear, what mm-hmm. style you're going to wear. And mm-hmm. I was an athlete, y'all. And our home uniforms yeah. were white shorts for basketball. You nice. talk about stress and trauma. I mean... Mm. And then you sounded, Karen, like, like I don't remember starting with a gully washer. My my first one was pretty light, but you said like it just came on like. Yeah, it was like full flow. Here we go. Like, like I've, just like my periods are now, really, you know, except actually now they're getting lighter, uh, luckily. But yeah, I mean, those first couple of days, even now, are still like gushers. So I need the super plus. Talking the whole, the whole shebang. I felt so mm. bad for you saying that because I didn't like yeah. gush at that time. So I wasn't like running down my leg right away. I, I did have all the bad cramps. But so, you know, the first thing that happens to us is, you know, we have this feeling. We don't know what's going on. Then we get this horrendous period. And then you took me back to something I had forgotten because I am completely menopaused. Hallelujah. Um discharge oh i hate that right i mean well who doesn't i would like to meet the woman who's like i don't mind a good discharge (laughs) because you're like (laughs) what is this and why is nobody lingering have you ever read in a book that said once you're in puberty you'll also experience discharge and this is completely normal and it should look these colors and smell this way no nobody told me so and then you're freaking out because you're like why what is this and like, am I like, is this normal? Is this right? Should I go to the doctor? I'm not yeah. sure. Well, Who do I, I talk mean, to about this? Like, 
Can you just imagine sitting on the bus next to your friend Sally and going, hey, is anything oozing out of your vajayjay? <laughs> no, that wasn't happening. That wasn't happening. So I had forgotten about that. Well, because then you that. were dirty, right? You yeah. were the one who was gross. So you pretend like it's not happening to you. You don't talk about it. And then everybody else is sitting there also with discharge in their underwear thinking that they're the weirdo. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't until I was, you know, 30 or so and I saw that comedy special from Amy Schumer where she was like, my New Year's resolution is to take off a pair of underwear and have it not, not look like I blew my nose in it. And I was like, oh, it's not just me. But it's literally, coming. I was it's like, Y'all, when that thing starts dry up a little, you don't get that discharge anymore. So menopause, you get dry vagina, but you, and, but you don't have the discharge problem anymore. So you tried one thing well, for another. For so, the other. I mean, yeah. we really... I feel like these things just continue to be traumatic for us. And we continue to experience things that our male counterparts did not have to experience as we go through this because we didn't know what was normal until you start to get a niche, your first yeast infection. Now, I Mm. had the complete Kotex four-part guide to feminine health that my mother had so (laughs) expeditiously ordered for me. Nowhere in there do I remember it talking about discharge or yeast infections. And who hasn't had a yeast infection before? But no one said, okay, little Susie, sometime your little hooter may start itching. You may have unusual discharge. This is what you're looking for. We just had that time where our vagina is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the urinary tract infections, you know, and you're just like, Hi, I'm bleeding pee. Um, what, like, what do I do? Do I have an STD? Like, you know, all the worst scenarios are running through your mind. And it's like, no, actually, all you need is a little pill. It'll clear that right yeah. up. And by the way, next time you have sex, you should probably pee. Um, you know, it's like these little memos that we miss out well, on. Well, you know, I have to I have to say this, Karen. Uh, that that was the my experience. It wasn't the experience of a, a yeast infection. Because people would talk about a yeast infection. I'd be like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I never had one. I didn't have a yeast infection until I was in my 30s. So I was like, I, wow. I don't know what that is. And people would talk about it. And I'm like, gosh, it sounds really uncomfortable. I don't ever want one. And then I experienced one and I was like, oh, this is this is not fun. However, I was like you when um, I got my first UTI. I was pretty young and I, I did. I thought I had an STD. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm just the dirtiest person ever. Then I started consistently getting them for a period of time. <gasps> and, wow. and it wasn't until I got really educated on like what is going on? What like, you know, the doctor sitting down and explaining, hey, this is what you want to do. These are the action steps that you want to take. Um, I see that you have a history of this, you know, asking me the questions, are you sexually active? Well, yeah, like. Uh, right. They say the bigger the hoop, the bigger the hoe. So, like, what do you want from me? <laughs> I just, <laughs> oh, Christina, listen. You know, I, I ain't got no shame. Being in my ten game. years older, <laughs> I lived in the period where you had to go to the doctor to get a prescription for monostat. So back mm. in my day, there was no going to the pharmacy. So this was a much bigger deal back then. Look at your faces. Y'all didn't even remember. See, every generation, I do think it's getting a little better, but I don't think 
it needs to move this slowly. I think we can expedite this with just some good conversations. Now, admittedly, it's hard. Um, and But I think girls are hearing more so they might be a little more ready. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes... If you can't talk to your mom, talk to your aunt, you know, be a good aunt, you Mm -hmm. know, open yourself up. I think sometimes that's a little easier. Um, I know I have nieces and I can talk to them in ways that, you know, I probably wouldn't talk to. It'd be harder to talk to my own child. You know, we we still live in that household. Like we will just try to to embarrass our kids by letting them know we do have sex. Um, we don't we don't want to hear it or anything, but we'll just say, "Oh, hot daddy" or something, you know. And they're just like, "Gross, you're awful." And it just delights right. me. But you know, the book really reminded me just how much trauma we go through—physical trauma and emotional trauma—and how much lack of understanding. And like I said, you girls are ten years younger than me, and you know, it's it's a lot. It's an accumulated um, lifetime of traumatic experiences involving our vaginas. So, you know, there's no surprise that when it comes to sex, we may have this just com- discombobulated mixture of feelings because our vaginas have not always been good to us. They've mm-hmm. played a lot of tricks on mm-hmm. us. And, um, but do you think, you that- know, when I get to heaven, I've got some things to say to Eve. <laughs> We're going to have a little conversation <laughs> over in the corner. I feel a lot of people got to talk to Eve, but there's no really... And this this was pointed out to me recently, and I've thought about it much. There's no correlating path that men go through that can compare to all we mm. go through. There's just not. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think that, I mean, I, I, we're having this conversation today, and we have many conversations at Midlife Moxie in regards to how we bring up the next generation. And so do you feel like, that's part of the problem. Like, I feel like that's the main issue is that we were so in the dark about so many things because it was just not appropriate to talk about, or it was uncomfortable to talk about, or maybe the experience that our parents had, it was hard for them to share. I mean, you know, not to put my mom's story out there, but, you know, she confided in me about like, my dad and her, and she's like, he was the first and he's the only. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's just crazy to me. But, you know, but it's beautiful at the same time. But it's like mm-hmm. how how different things are today. And so do you feel like that's kind of our our, our issue? Because I feel like that that's where everything stems from is the educational part of being open enough to say, hey, this does happen. It's okay not to be embarrassed or shamed about it. Yeah. You know? I definitely think it is getting better. Yeah. You know, when I I did some surveys, um, you know, they were not statistically significant or anything, uh, but around the book just to get an understanding of like what Gen Z women would want to see from this book, what they think is in there, what they're interested in learning about. And one of the questions on there was like, how comfortable are you with your sexuality? And that was like, they're like nines and tens. And I'm like, what? I'm like, me? If you had asked me that question when I was in my early teens, even like late, early uh, like 20s, I would have been totally uncomfortable with my sexuality. I mean, I bought my first piece of lingerie, which I talk about in the book, and like wore it for my boyfriend with the lights off. 
Like, the whole point of lingerie is to have the lights on so they can see this amazing outfit. And I'm like, turn that shit off. I don't really want you to see me. But you can feel the lace, right? Like, because I was so embarrassed. Like, I was uncomfortable with my body. And I think as, you know, women are, um, you know, coming up and they're starting to have kids and they're more comfortable with their bodies because they're seeing more of it. They're, you know, they're, it's just a different culture now. Um, I do think it's helping Mm. in that regard, you know, know, to make it more conversational. One thing I noticed in the book too is there's so much of, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Even Mm -hmm. going back to when you start the book, you talk about your appearance and feeling awkward. Now, I know you guys can't see Karen, but she is a lovely, lovely, beautiful lady. Mm -hmm. And when I read, I'd already seen your picture. So when I read this book, I'm like, well, damn, her too. I mean, we all went through our <laughs> awkward stages, and I, I so relate when you yeah. said the buck teeth. Look at these teeth. My two front teeth are yeah. significantly larger than my others, and when those are your first adult teeth you get, boy, you can imagine. And I was, oh, so skinny, and I had this mop of hair. I mean, I was a vision. I was quite a vision. But I think a lot of us felt unattractive and awkward and all these things, mm-hmm. And we, again, thought we were the only one. And then, you know, when you first start to have sexual experiences again, you think you're the only one. And when you don't know how to have sex, you think you're the only one. And so we're going to jump in to more, especially around this idea of sex, because I think there's a lot to say here. But let's take a quick break and appreciate those who support our show. Well, welcome back, guys. We are with Karen Freeland today, and we're talking about her book, The Ins and Outs of My Vagina, a penetrating memoir. And Karen lives here in Greenville, South Carolina. We've got to have lunch one day and continue this conversation. But we're going to spend this second part of the show talking a lot about, you know, the sex. Because, man, back in the day, like I said in the first part of the show, the only sexual education to get was the little bit you could get out of Cosmo magazine. Was that your experience, Karen? Yeah, absolutely. My parents, uh, you know, I grew up in a religious household and and that's fine. I am still religious today, but it was basically don't have sex till you're married. And then good luck. I'm sure the sex fairy will show up and teach you everything you need to know. (laughs) But you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because there is this implication (laughs) in religious circles that... (laughs) Mm. As the girl, you're going to be pure, but somehow on your wedding mm. night, the man is going to know what to do. So it seems okay if he is <laughs> impure and he will be your teacher. Mm. And I'm like, well, who is he getting impure with if all the girls are chased? I mean, you you know, the thing doesn't even add up. It doesn't even add up. It doesn't even make any sense. And at what point, you know, a lot of people are getting their education through porn and I am very Ugh, anti-porn. Terrible. Sorry if you guys love it. Me but too. I have a very Worst education yeah, ever. It's a unrealistic. No one's going to convince me that porn's okay. But that is not where we should be getting our education. Mm-mm. But the absence of any other type of, and I'm not talking about sex education from this is how you make a baby. I'm talking about the sex of it. Well, the intimacy of we it. educate all of it, even yeah, some how of the to mechanics. Please, your yeah. partner. Yeah, and yes, right. I didn't know. I didn't. I really wasn't familiar with everything about 
the male member to know how this was even going to work. I, I just, you know, in my mind, I'm like, how are we even going to, you know, I, I just didn't understand. And it's embarrassing. And I do think there's a lot of situations that girls get in and they're in a deficit because the boys always seem to know more about just at least the mechanics of it. Maybe not the pleasure part, but the mechanics. Now, Christina is making a face like, no, girl, I knew more. What you got to say over there? Well, I, I just, here's the deal. It was all about just learning. And so um, for me, I had many, oh gosh, this is going to sound really bad, but I've been around the block, not just one time, not just two times, but a lot of times. And, you know, I had to learn. I had to learn what I liked. I had to learn you know, what my partner liked and I had to learn what was acceptable, you know, because sometimes there were things that were, am I validating myself through my vagina or am I validating myself because I really enjoy this person? Does that make sense? You know, so, so mm -hmm. you had like, that was my hang up. It's like, I, I feel like I need to be validated. And I think a lot of women do because they think that their vagina is power. And the thing is, is that I'm here to tell you, ladies, your vagina is not power. So stop using it that way. It's not like, Absolutely. it is not, a, it's not a tool to be utilized and say here, you know, I'm going to be free with this. It's like, no, that's like, that's so backwards. Stop it. Well, when I went into it, there was this idea that it was this romantic encounter, mm. but I didn't really have this idea of pleasure so much. There was, mm -hmm. this is going to be nice because it's a f like, so let's talk about our first sexual experiences. I think for a lot of us, it was more about that shows he likes me. Do y'all remember having that feeling? Mm -hmm. Sure. If he wanted to. I mean, to. yeah, if you go and let, read my virginity story, I mean, that's literally how it went down. A cute boy at a party was like, hey, you want to do this? And I, without even thinking, I mean, you would think you would need a little time to sort out whether or not this was the guy that you were going to give it up to for the first time. And I was just like, sure. Yeah. Like, it was so cavalier for me. And I couldn't understand the big deal. Yeah. Like, after we did it, and I, I, Totally botch it. I will not give away the punchline here. You have to go read the book. Uh, and it's well worth the read. Um, I completely botched the whole experience. And that's an understatement. Um, but it was like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Like, why wouldn't I do this all the time, though? Like, why wouldn't I want to do this? I mean, it was fine. It was fun. It was okay. Like, whatever. But, like, I, I didn't feel like I did something crazy wrong, it wasn't well, my until first later when I said with like first, second, third base, those were good. Like I remember thinking, I don't want them. Feelings like I'm kind of yummy, but still that feeling of shame, hiding it. Are we going to get caught? You talked me back to all those. Mm. Is anyone home? Mm -hmm. And my, my, my right. mom didn't leave us at home, so it had to be somewhere else or somewhere that they. Um, and, and your first kiss, that was just hysterical. Nobody teaches us how to kiss. Oh I had my read gosh. somewhere in no joke all that you're supposed to like kind of suck on their lips. So that's what <laughs> I spent my first time doing. Is kind of <laughs> sucking on the lip. Yep, that was it. Because we couldn't French kiss yet because that would be scandalous. Shut right. your mouth, Massey. I am a good kisser now. Ask my husband. All that lip sucking. But that's what I thought I was supposed to do. So I'm spending my time just trying to go around his lips. And Karen, you you shared. You had oh, some gosh. different technique afforded to you. 
Oh, gosh. I basically <laughs> had, like, this... Like, my face got basically eaten, like, the first time that we had sex. Like, or the first time I had a kiss. Um, and I was, like, literally hanging off the ground. He was, like, holding <laughs> me up in the air. And I was just, like... And the whole group was counting while they're watching us. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, get me out of here. Um, yeah, but I had no idea what I was doing, you know? Well, no, but, you were going to swab the entire inside like, of his mouth, remember? That was the advice yeah, she'd been given. For, yeah. Oh. Like, just explore in his mouth. So my tongue's darting in every direction. Like, I'll check back here on the tonsils and see what's going on under the tongue. <laughs> like, it was so bad. Oh, wow. Thanks, I mean, Cosmo, or 17, I don't know, one of those oh, magazines. And, you know, the bad thing is, you know, you recounted this is happening at the Friday night football game under the bleachers. That, I mean, how many yep. people got, you know, their little oh part of their sexuality under the bleachers at the Friday I think night I football game? I was an early a, bloomer over here, y'all. Like, Friday nights under the bleachers? Like, I'm like... Oh, that's a was, southern thing. That was Friday oh, night football was, games. Mm. I was in the back of a trash can. <laughs> The back a of a trash can? I was, I was leaving sixth grade and going into seventh grade. So it was like the, the back. Year, wait a minute. Wait. You mean like so, behind a dumpster? Uh, behind, no. Okay. So, okay. Nathan Delgado, I'm so sorry, friend. Love you to oh, pieces. Oh, we name the names now, are oh, we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we're friends. We're, we're friends. But he was... Uh, he, he was my very first kiss. Had no idea what the hell I was doing. And he lived around the block from me. And so I walked over to his house we went on the side of his house behind his trash cans and we <laughs> kissed and I was like, why is his tongue in my mouth? Like I had no idea. I was mortified. My dad drove up trying to find me. Nice. And so just like, ugh, it was horrible. It was Nito horrible. Cristina Ramirez and Delgado behind the trash can. <laughs> so but you bad. know, isn't this kind of, the crap of it that some of our first sexual experiences were <laughs> under bleachers, behind trash cans, <laughs> trash in cans. dank basements. The basement took me back because one of my first boyfriends had a basement. Oh. And we would escape That's his parents. That's a southern so, thing. Karen, huh? thanks for that. The basement, basement. yeah. Because parents don't yeah, go to the basement. I feel basement. like we still have random sex experiences. Like the other day we were doing it in the closet because the kids were like, I don't know, somewhere, but we didn't want them to like hear <laughs> So we're in the closet and I've got like a heel, a shoe in my head and like I'm trying to get comfortable and I'm like, is this real? I'm like, I feel like I'm in high school again. Like, get my ass over to the bed, please. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, put me up on the counter in the sink. I don't know, but I just can't be screwing on this. this or out, or the outside by the train floor. track. I mean, it's fine. You know, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Outside by the train track. Listen, you're so some of our first sexual experiences, I mean, kind of led to us feeling kind of dirty. Yeah, because they were in these mm -hmm. dirty environments. They were in dark, damp basements, and so you can see how we got this idea that we were doing something naughty and something bad, mm -hmm. and we were trying to hide it. But yeah, there was the first kiss. Then there was you went on through the bases. We'll skip over a few of those pages. I enjoyed that little reminisce, but you know. The part about that I wanted to talk about, though, was when my mom presented sex to me as part of, you know, she said, you'll do this when you get married. And I said, well, then I'm never getting married. That was my first reaction. Right. Nobody talked about the bases to to me. Were you, right. Did anybody explain exactly what the bases no. were and how this was supposed to go down? And My cousins did. I mean. I found it out from friends. Yeah. Or, yeah, relatives yeah, or somebody. My cousins 
My cousins told me about the bases. You had cousins. Yeah, I had no cousins that told me. So yeah. apparently there's a there's a um, sexual base hierarchy that's passed mm-hmm. down through the generations mm-hmm. with probably very poor accuracy, <laughs> it sounds like. Because, you know, I just did not know. And I remember, you know, every time he would go a little further with a guy, it would be like, you had all these questions about how you really felt about it. And was that what you're supposed to do? Do you remember how that mm-hmm. felt? Is that what mm-hmm. I was supposed to do? And then I'm just going to be honest. My first real deal penetrating memoir, it was not good. Yeah. I don't have any mm-hmm. fond memories of that. Yeah. And I, I think, think that's a situation for a lot of people. I mean, have you ever heard a female you're the, you're the doing the surveys here that said, Oh, my first experience I saw was, fireworks no no for guys most of them are like yep yep yeah and that's the thing and that's why I think for so many years I felt so broken because you know there was this idea that I also had to satisfy the guy like make sure he gets off make Mm -hmm. sure he has a good time but then there was no consideration for me or my sexual pleasure So then you get older, you're in a marriage and you're like, well, I guess this is just all about him. And like, he doesn't know because he's never been taught. No one ever explained that only 20% of women actually orgasm from penetration alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's being generous, gentlemen. Um, You know, it's really probably like 3%, but whatever. (laughs) So like we need clitoral stimulation, but people don't want to talk about that. And like, yeah, I am not going to my 8 and 12 or my, what are they now, 11 and 12 year olds going, uh, later when you have sex, you're going to do clitoral stimulation. And like, yeah. that's not age appropriate for them right now. You know what I'm saying? But at some point, like I am going to sit them down. If my husband's not going to do it, I'm going to sit them down and be like, look, this is what women really need. This is how you please a woman. So if you are having sex or going to have sex, it's not all about you. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just bust that stereotype right now. Well, in letting... Letting young girls know that this is something for you to enjoy, too. This is not, like Christine said, to be used as a weapon, weapon yeah. as manipulation, mm-hmm. the way to get a guy, the way it's not just a natural progression. This is something for you to enjoy as well. And I don't remember that really ever being talked about or really, you know, deep in the pages of Cosmo no. where, where you might read something like that and it was, you know, you felt kind of shameful to even be reading it, mm-hmm. but... I was well into my adult years before there was any discussion of really should I enjoy this? And like you said in the book, when it comes to orgasm, no one even told us what that might be like, like the doctor, the reading materials. And a lot of us walked around questioning, did I have one? Did I not? How will I know? And I love the conversations that you had with your vagina about well, was that it? Are we close to it? Right. Well, I know it. And I think a lot of women walk around that way. We don't even know what we're looking for a lot of the time. And guys obviously don't have that same problem. I mean, did y'all feel that? Not knowing really what you were looking for? Christina's making a face. Yeah. I, I Did you again, know? Again, I think that... Um, did Delgado bring something special to the table? <laughs> no, I mean, no, no. I mean, we were we were kids. Like, I don't even think he knew what he was doing. And and I think that's the thing is that we, as women, think that they know what they're doing. And the reality is, is they have no clue either. You know, we're, we're both yeah. on uh, on this journey together. And 
that's that's the conversation that needs to be brought out as well. It's not just for the women, it's for the men too to say, hey, like we have needs um, and we know that you don't know how to do this either. So let's explore this together, whether it's, you know, um, sexual intimacy or even how to show up for your partner when, you know, they're they're having a UTI or a yeast infection or they're on their period yeah. or whatever. It's not just that. It's 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 all of it, right? And and the same yeah. thing with our partner. We need to be we need to be able to do that. So for me again, like I think my journey of being, you know, like I, I've I've been very transactional with sex. Um, you know, and I've been where I've used my my vagina as a, as a weapon. Um, I have, I've also learned how to experience a lot of pleasure as well. And I had a great, and I'll tell you, I had a great, um, this is so funny, supposed to be a one night stand, y'all never had had a one night stand in my entire life. I've never had one. And he was supposed to be a one night stand. And, uh, He's now an orthopedic surgeon, a, a great, great man, um, married, all that good stuff. But he really taught me how to be, just be, you know, be with that person, you know, no inhibitions, exploration. It was really a safe place to do all that stuff. And I, I grew a lot. Well, you know, that's very special because yeah. most men do not come at us with any concern for us. Now, they want to know they satisfied us, you mm-hmm. know, oh, did you, they they really don't care deeply about right. our satisfaction, but they want the notch on their belt that they satisfied mm. another woman. And yeah. you talk about that in the book, how devastating it was when you shared, I'm not going to say with who, but when you shared that, no, I haven't been all this time. Yeah. And I think a lot of men don't get that. They think they're just because they're feeling it, we're feeling it, and they have no idea what we really yeah. need. And as well as we conversate with our daughters, and our nieces, and we get information out there in ways that women can consume it and be educated, we do need, like Christine said, that ability to communicate with our partners. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's very difficult. But it also yeah, it is. If we can't have that kind but of conversation with someone, <laughs> should we be having sex with them? Kind of is where we, you know. Yeah, and I think that was part of the problem is because I did start younger. You know, you're not a 15-year-old sitting down going, okay, let's have a serious discussion about my pleasure and your pleasure and what do you like and what do I like? So, you know, I look back and sometimes I'm like, man, maybe I should have waited. You know, maybe it was too soon for me because I really wasn't mature enough Mm -hmm. to be doing these things and having these conversations. So then when I would get mad or frustrated or give him the cold shoulder or be like, meh, he doesn't care about me. Like, you know, it was just so foolish and such a waste of time and energy. Yet at the same time, it taught me so many things about my body and about what I was looking for in a relationship. And so I go back and forth. Some days I wish I waited. Some days I wish I didn't. Yeah. But, you know, fortunately well, now I'm in a marriage and I can. What if the yeah, role was reversed? Exactly. What if the role was reversed? What if men didn't pressure us to have sex oh. until they were ready to please us. Until mm. they took on that responsibility. I'm not going to be pressuring young girls to have sex until I'm ready. Because we're expected to pleasure them right out of the gate. Very first time. We're just supposed to know how. And they get theirs. But what if that was the new dynamic of, you know, unless you're ready to make this even, then you're not ready for sex. I mean, that could 
That yeah. can change a lot. Yeah, nobody should be pressuring anybody for sex, by the yes. way. Like, I'll just put that out yes. there, right? Like, it should be consensual on both sides. And if you read some of the stories that I was in, I mean, there were some coercive relationships. There were some times where, you know, I uh, drank too much and was, you know, basically taken advantage mm. of. Now, there are times that I, I I need to fully own my responsibility, right? It's not just his fault. It's my fault for drinking uh, copious amounts of beer on medication and knowing damn well that I shouldn't have been doing that, right? So I do also hope that my stories will prevent other women from making mistakes that I've made and to put themselves in safer situations yes. so that they don't end up in these um in these situations and then hopefully gives moms and aunts and friends um something to talk about because I was never given strategies for what to do if you are in a situation that you don't want to be in or a guy is pressuring you for sex. No one told me what to do, what to say, how to react. And you I know, think that's I hate a big to miss. say this, but because I grew up the way I grew up, I I longed for physical touch and really to feel loved. Um, my parents mm-hmm. were loving in many ways, but they were not emotional people as far as that side of the coin. Sure. And so I think when I had my first experiences, I was looking for validation. My mom had told me that I was average in the appearance category. I was never celebrated for being pretty or being delightful or anything like that. I'm not saying I'm a delightful now, but I am funny. You you are delightful. I think you're delightful. But I think there was so much I wasn't looking to have a great sexual experience, what I was looking for was validation. Mm-hmm. And my first yep. sexual experience was someone who told me I was pretty. So I'm like, oh, somebody finally thinks I'm pretty. And it, I was coerced and I was pressured. And it was, I remember later thinking, like you said, is that it? It wasn't mm-hmm. particularly romantic or anything. And I regret that that was the first time. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us have those experiences that we don't have a fond mm-hmm. memory of that first time. And so, t- you know, could we teach our daughters to this is special? This is something you always remember and make sure it is special and you're not coerced before you're ready and you're not put in a situation that doesn't feel great to you as well as to him. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, I think even you kind of, you touched on this. I think it's more obvious in my generation that the woman's pleasure wasn't really part of the equation. And Mm. I think a lot of women my age have only in recent years allowed themselves to engage in things like toys and masturbation, to be honest. Um, Because growing up, even when I talked with my friends, my friends weren't, weren't sharing with me the newest toy they got, where I have a feeling that the Gen Z's and the younger ones are having those conversations. Because we had a gynecologist on the show, and she's like, yeah, you mm-hmm. need to get this one and that one. I'm like, never has my gynecologist prior to today mentioned, do I experiment with right. toys? Do I pleasure myself? What, you know, do I need any discussion that area? That was not up for – no gynecologist ever asked me no, that. And most of my gynecologists always told me that I just wasn't doing it right. That they're that I'm not broken. I can orgasm just like everybody else. I'm just not doing it right. Wow. And I was like, so what well, is I won't right? Be bringing that up again. Now I feel super embarrassed and shamed. And um, yeah. So now I'm going home. Bye. Well, and and here's here's the other thing, Karen. Like when we have had um our our moxie partner on, 
And she was sharing with us, Rachel, I'm sure that's who you're talking about, right, Gail? Yeah. Um, She was telling us all forms of stimulation that we can have as women. And I was like, wait, what? What? Like, that's crazy. Like, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, you can have an orgasm, you know, like, I think it was five different ways, right, Gail? It was like, I I I was just blown. I was blown away. I was blown away by the fact that there are things that can help us enjoy sex because we always hear about Viagra. We always hear about lingerie to turn the guys on, but that there are creams and pills that can increase our libido and our stimulation and our enjoyment. Okay, you're sitting around watching Jeopardy at night. They do the Viagra commercial, the erectile dysfunctional dysfunction commercials, but when's the last time you saw, you know, something come on that said, you too can be enjoying sex, ladies? Right. Never. Yeah, never. No, never. Why yeah. are we always second-class citizens I'm here? I'm glad that, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to take away what the guys have either. You know, like, that's great that you have Viagra, because I can't imagine what that must be. Like, if my husband couldn't get good it up, like, I would be devastated, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, we we want that for you guys. But just, like, don't forget about us because, like, we need yeah. help too. And we don't know. You know, I don't think my gynecologist ever even asked me if I was having, you know, pleasurable sex no. or orgasms Never. or any of that. Never. I don't remember that ever being a discussion. And I love, no. like, when Rachel, our nurse practitioner friend, shout out to Rachel mm-hmm. Stucky Easterwood, has been on the show, you can tell there is a change. And so I want the women yeah. listen to this knowing if your practitioner is not asking these questions, find one who is. Yeah. And there are new women's health practitioners that are focused on not just because in the past, OBGYNs were focused on two things, delivering babies and curing UTIs and yeast infections. Those were the things, keeping <laughs> you from infections and delivering babies. And that was really their specialty. It wasn't on having pleasurable sex. It wasn't mm-hmm. on your complete health picture. It wasn't. And so I love, and I, I believe it is things like Midlife Moxie and other groups where we are putting our voices together and demanding different from the medical establishment, from retailers. And yep. we have partnered with brands like Mojo Wellbeing that are producing products that are for women in this season that can help us live better. So you know, I'm glad that we're talking about things like toys and toys are not just something you have mm-hmm. to go to X-rated bookstore to get anymore. Or and they're right. that it's not dirty. It's not right. dirty. I mean, do, can y'all yeah. sense a real change in that? I Oh, just scroll on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're constantly seeing it now, right? Toys for sale or like, you know, people have like their partner up with a toy and that it's like their signature one and you can get 20% off or whatever if you use their code. I mean, you're definitely seeing um, it become more mainstream, I think. But I still think that there's a taboo and I still think there's a lot of women they are like, okay, I'll scroll and I'll look at it and then I'll secretly order it, but I'm not going to like that or comment because I still don't want my friends or anybody else to know that I'm partaking well, in Well, I think here's here's what I see is that the the lines have been blurred for women in the fa- and men probably, but in the in the sense of is this pornography, or is this mm. pleasure? 
dirty and, is this? Yeah, y- does yeah, this make this, me a whore? That right? There's been this almost right. connotation so, that if we enjoyed sex, that made us somehow whorish or loose. Right? That did y'all not kind of get that? Right. I mean, nobody said that, but there was almost this unwritten message that I received. It was oh, almost like sure. we shouldn't be enjoying it. We should just be servicing our men. And I think that message is changing, and thank goodness. And yeah. so I want women to know there are places nowadays you can go that are not in the back of a triple X nudie store or in some weird outlet off the exit of the interstate that you can get these type of products. Amazon is a great resource and they come in unmarked packaging and you don't have to be embarrassed. And Karen, I loved in the book, you talked about your experience with this and hiding it from your husband. Mm. (laughs) You know, there's some sadness to that because this should be our partner and our pleasure and we should be sharing all things. But as a woman, you didn't feel like you could. You you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, and there is – I didn't want to hurt his feelings, you sure. know? I didn't want him to realize, okay, I'm not orga- orgasming with you, but, oh, I have a toy and five minutes later, <laughs> done, you know? So it was hard to share that with him. But I'm glad that eventually, you know, I ended up getting busted when the package arrives and he's home. I didn't think he would be home on the day that, that it came. Hilarious. And he's like, what's in there? And then I have to explain to him all the stuff that I bought. And he's like, okay. But I think once he saw how important it was to me, and how how much of an impact it was having on our relationship that he wanted that for me. You know, he really did. He yeah. wanted me to enjoy sex. He wanted me to have that pleasure that he was having. Well, what if we never so started was, the lies? Because I think we've all well, done it. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Who hasn't faked yeah. one? I mean, we all have. Oh, yeah. And we even comedians joke about it. It's well known, well established that we fake this. And so, because we were not taught, it was more about how he felt. I mean, think it, we're faking something to make him feel like he did a good job. Come on. Right. And you're basically teaching them to do more of what you don't like, you know, or like more of what doesn't work because they hear all the noises. But it's funny because when I first started like really vocalizing during sex, I was only doing it because that's what I had seen in the movies. So I was faking, but but not intentionally. I was basically inadvertently faking. We thought that's thought what that's we were what supposed, supposed to, do. to do. And there was some embarrassment, right. again, like you said, if we did not get there, that it was something wrong with us, not him. So we should right. pretend like everything's fine because we don't want to imply anything's wrong with him. So it's this right. sordid tale that if we started with honesty from the get-go, and if the men were taught to check in better from the get-go, and the, the men did not take any insult when we say, nope, it didn't get there. I need a little bit more. Yeah. Here's what you can do. And we had those kind of open conversations. But my generation was not taught to talk about our bodies and ask for what we needed and guide our partners. Y'all, this should be right. a one-on-one. And for women my age who haven't yet gotten there, I hope you do. I hope you can learn to talk to your partner. I hope you'll experiment I hope you'll know you're not a slut if you order a sex toy or you get some, you know, cinnamon lube or whatever it is. There's all kinds of things out there to help you enjoy what was given to us. I mean, it was given to us and that you'll you'll be able to talk to even your friends about it and what works for them. Because 
I have noticed in midlife, you know, we're not competing anymore here in midlife. The competition's <laughs> over. Um, we oh, do talk more Can we more stop openly. competing at all ages, Yeah, I wish. <laughs> we're trying. We're For trying. Real. <laughs> For real. But we're starting well, to talk about that more openly. My friends and I have talked yeah. about these these kind of, just one in particular, maybe two of my friends, because there's still some stigma about, are they going to think we're having sexual problems? Are they going to think I'm a slut? You just kind of yeah. don't know. So I appreciate my friend. She knows who she is, who has been open about her use of these toys. And she has a very happy marriage and a very happy sex life. Um, there was a funny story one time, though, that she was <laughs> she was on a family beach trip and um, they were pulling away from the hotel and got a little ways down the road. And she's like, wait, go back. I forgot something. And it's because she had these things hidden and she's got the whole family like, I mean, extended family turning around to go back to the hotel before the cleaning service comes and finds her toys. So we laughed about that. There's all kinds of funny stories. Um, but, you know, most <laughs> of my friends still aren't talking about it. I do have one that's talked to me about it, but that's really it. Let's be more open and and let's know that this is okay. It's okay for us to want pleasure and it, these are the places to go and get it. Mm-hmm. So rolling forward to more surprises, I really, you struck a chord to me with the tear during oh, pregnancy. Oh. Because, you know, we're told about pregnancy, but I feel like people really intentionally held out on that freaking delivery scam and what's really oh, yeah. going to go down. <sighs> yeah. And it's not right. Like, we need to be more honest about this. I, it was so funny because I had a bookstagrammer who read the book recently and she was like, I'm totally freaked out. I'm in my third trimester. I'm about to have a baby. And I just read all about Karen's like tears and the episiotomy and everything. And I was like, yeah, but at least now, you know, going in, I'm like, how much worse to be on the table and be like, okay, we need to perform an episiotomy. And you're like, oh, what? Or, you know, all these things that you're not oh, expecting. Girl, let me just tell you, like when people... Young people are pregnant. I'm like, listen, let me give you the lowdown. And some people are like, shut up. Don't don't tell. I'm like, absolutely not. You are not preparing yeah. these poor young girls to experience and go through it. For the and, truth, and, uh, what's right, really about to right. go down. Because you know what? Then it, when you hide it, what, what does that look like? It looks like, you know, yeah. uh, that it's, it, again, We're we, not go being under, honest. Yeah, we go under the shame. Oh my gosh, like I couldn't, I couldn't do this right. I mean, and all those emotions are flooding through when you're and we pregnant. Say, I don't want to scare her. What's yeah. scary is when you're in there going mm-hmm. through with this and you mm-hmm. don't know if it's normal or not, okay. you know? Right. Like uh, my kids were 13 years apart. So in that 13 years, I gathered up some wisdom. I also had a traumatic experience the first time. Had a cracked tailbone. Mm. I mean, twenty something hours of labor. Every three, you know, two or three contractions, I would vomit. I didn't know that that was normal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just something else. But the second time around, I went to my childbirth classes. You know, just catching up, and they were led by a doula. And this chick was all about how natural this was, and she was showing pictures of women holding on to trees and squatting. <laughs> and she was just painting this picture. And y'all, I just no. busted out right in the middle of the class, and I said, it is going to hurt. It is going to hurt like you cannot imagine. You may be throwing up. Uh-huh. And she's looking at me like, how dare you? And I'm like, I'm just being honest, guys, because some people may have this 
rainbows and sunshine mm. experience. They don't. A lot of us don't. They don't. And you need to know the truth going in there. Yeah. This is freaking awful mm-hmm. for most Give of us. Give me the epidural and I'll shoot, see you on the other side. Shoot me up. Like, Let, let's no. go. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, they no didn't talk there. about the tears. None. They didn't talk about forcep delivery much. They didn't mm. talk about, and I loved you covered this, the afterbirth. When in your childbirth class did they say, oh, you get to give delivery twice? Oh, wait. So right. so true story, you guys. My sister watched my son being being born. She had no idea, had no idea about the afterbirth. Well, she saw that come out. She, they had to like grab her because she almost fainted because wow. watching it come out and she was just, I mean, she was a teenager, so she was just mortified. I mean, then you, I look over at her and her head is between her legs and I'm thinking, oh shit, what just happened? <laughs> like, is she okay? Is my baby okay? There, nobody really explained that part. Now, I think that's gotten better because a lot of women are eating their afterbirth now, but back in the day, you know. Please, no. no. <laughs> they are, they are. It's a thing. It's supposed to make you healthy, but... I, yeah, I still really. think we are not explaining these things well. The husband certainly doesn't know. <laughs> these are the things that need to be discussed that you might. Karen was worried about pooping yourself. Do you know in my generation, you got an enema when you showed up to the hospital? What? That, was, that was one of the things I was most terrified about that I was going to get this enema. And oh. I did. No, mm. I did not know that. And I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Mm. That was on top of everything else. I'm going to get something rammed up my right. ass in while something's trying to come out the other hole. And you Super. know, that's covered in the book too. That there are multiple food on holes. the table. Like nobody tells you that that's normal. But I was all, "Am I pooing?" And my son's father was like, "Yeah, you pooed a little. It's fine." I'm like, "Oh, it's so gross. Get up here. Don't look at and more it." Trauma, yeah. More trauma. More trauma. I mean, then there's the healing. And Karen, you outlined yours in the book. You had some some things that did not heal mm. correctly down there. We're not told what it should look like. I mm. thought all women were in as much pain as I was in. Like I was sitting on a donut a week later and I did not know yeah. that that was unusual until I went to see a friend in the hospital and she's like up walking around like she's about to play tennis. And I'm like, what the hell? Did they give you something special? Yeah. And then I went back and talked to my midwife because she had actually, her daughter had married my brother. So I kind of could talk to her on the side and she's like, well, I did hear a pop. And, uh, you know, I think you had a broken tailbone. And I'm like, nobody cared at the moment. Nobody said, mm. we think you might have a cracked tailbone. Mm. I just thought this amount of pain was normal. So I'm hobbling around on a cracked tailbone, which is oh, that's so horrible. It's never been the same. If mm-hmm. I sit on a hard surface, my tailbone's going to hurt, you know. But I thought that, you know, there's times that we don't know how wow. much the pain is going to be. And then there's times we have extreme pain and don't know that that's not normal. So, Guys, we got to talk about this stuff. Yeah. So, and that's why I hope these stories will help with other women going through these, you know, life stages, right? No matter what age you are, you can read this book and either learn something or have a new reflection and see how things went in a different light. So there's value across the board for mm. everybody. You know, mm. the biggest value in your book for me, Karen, is finding out that, you know, we've experienced these things. We've experienced mm-hmm. things on the male side that we found out about men. We've experienced these things with our own bodies. And we're kind of warriors here about menopause. So when you said your periods were slowing down, I just got to tell you, buckle up, sister. Mm. It ain't over. Yep. It's 
going to get worse before it gets better. And my mother apparently sailed through menopause like some kind of weirdo where she was a good faker, but (laughs) I suffered terribly with periods and cramps and flooding. And I have found out lately that that's all very normal, that these Mm -hmm. golf ball size clots, these things that are happening. And again, we don't talk about it. And I had that, I've said it before on this show, that moment that the first time I passed a big clot, I was in a public bathroom And, you know, you're still at the age where you can bear children when this starts happening to you. Um, You know, it's it's possible. Mm. You know, you're still menstruating. And wondering if it was a miscarriage, like you described earlier in your book. And I was standing there in a public bathroom looking in the toilet, not knowing what Mm. to do. Because no one told me that was not only possible, but likely. So, y'all. Yeah. We're not trying to be gross. We're not trying to be inappropriate. Let's have the conversations with right. our daughters, our nieces, our friends. And let's Even be super supportive when someone, yes, yes, mm-hmm. our partners. Mm-hmm. And our partners need to talk to our sons and teach them. So I want to ask you all kind of a speed round of questions here. But for both of you, Christina, mm. no, I'm going to do this. So I'm just curious, though. <laughs> Because I want people to know how much we all experience. Okay, so okay. ever faked an orgasm? Yes. Yes. Um, ever had a male prematurely ejaculate? Yes. No. I'm going to say yes to that one. Um, <laughs> had had a lot of sex that was not pleasurable. Yes. How much is a lot? But yes. <laughs> <laughs> enough. 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 Um, enough. Yes. Had a yeah, had a sub- experience involving bleeding out of your your urethra, your vagina, your right somewhere. You had bleeding that was frightening. Yes. Yep. Um were embarrassed by something involving your period. Yes. Yes. And I always tell my story about bleeding through my pants in the Verizon store, Karen. That's one for an addendum to the book. You get up in the Verizon store, you're sitting on a white kind of acrylic chair, whatever, plastic resin, something, and you get up and the chair's literally red. I mean, we worry about a few drops on our clothing. I'm talking crime scene on the chair, like somebody (laughs) murdered someone and smeared it on the chair, just like took the throat blood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many of you have had a crime scene in your pants? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. Discharge. <laughs> yes. Yep. Discharge that you were concerned about. Yes. Yes. So I just wanted to share that because I've not talked to my friends about hardly any of those things until I got this podcast and I just tell it all. But y'all, if you're listening, we want you to know you're not alone and your experiences are the same and we don't have to walk around in shame. We should be able to walk around free from the trauma of embarrassment and the shame of thinking we're dirty or something's wrong with us. I mean, I said, when you're having discharge, that makes you feel dirty. You feel like you're a dirty person and you're not. It's normal. And so let's have the conversation with, with each other, with our partners, with our sisters, with our daughters, with our sons. So Karen, I want to give you the last words of, you know, what has happened with the book how you feel about the book now that it's out there. What's next for your vagina? (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously a sequel is going to have to be coming out here after I get through this menopause, but that's a little ways away still. Um, so the ins and outs we of my would vagina like penetrating memoir. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, maybe that, that'll be a nice fun change. I'll have like stories or something yeah. in there. We've got some. Uh, but get the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, I have over 80 five-star reviews. I mean, everyone has just loved the book. Like you said, it's like the whole time you're reading it, you're like, yes, girl. Oh, my gosh, me too. That's my life. And it's just this, you know, reaffirming that everything you've been through is totally normal. You're not weird. You're not mm -hmm. a unicorn. You know, you're just like all the rest of us. And our bodies are really something to be loved and celebrated. Mm. Even and though so it's our sexuality. It's part hate. of who we are. It yes. shouldn't be relegated to just, you know, behind trash cans and, you know, bleachers and ball <laughs> games. Right. We deserve more. We deserve better. And thank you for that fun, just walk down memory lane. The book is called The yes. Ends and outs of my vagina a penetrating memoir and it's karen k-a-r-i-n freeland pick up a copy i i i read it it was such easy reading and i remember at one point just yeah. laughing out loud my husband was sleeping beside me but it's really a funny <laughs> read and there's several moments you're like oh my goodness karen i didn't experience that and i'm sorry for you girl i won't i won't give it away but you got to read the book to get these experiences now i do want to share that you married one of your one of your romps mm -hmm. is that his real name i sure did is his no, real name damien name. i thought nobody's no. husband's really named damien and what was it you called Isn't him that's such a sexy name Danae or damey <laughs> what was it the nickname oh dayla that was his pledge name dayla yeah so you made all that up mm -hmm. but because i thought oh. no the dayla was real that was his actual pledge name Oh, but his real name is not that Damien. So if we go Correct. to look around Greenville for Damien Freeland, we're not going to find him. There can't you know, be that many Freelands in Greenville. <laughs> if I'm in a restaurant and I hear somebody no. call out Freeman Party of Four, my head's going to spin around. You just yeah, right? be assured. Well, thanks for being and our I guest. I want to just remind everybody, too, just real quick, that um, a portion of the proceeds of the book also goes to Alliance for Period Supplies to help women in need who cannot afford period products. So all those young women who can't go to school because they don't have tampons and periods uh, products, like that is what Alliance for Period Supplies helps with. So you're doing a really great thing also when you get a copy of the mm. book. You know, there's something we're going to get more involved in as Midlife Moxie grows and we get into events and stuff. We really want to contribute to that. And with this idea of as we become midlife women and we seize our periods, that we take that part of our budget and parlay it into supplies, you know, if you can afford it, because that yes. is, you know, that is an, an expense. It can be a big expense. And what if when we're done, we just take that money and roll it on to somebody who doesn't have it? So I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes. Thank you for that, Karen. Karen, I always want to say sure. Karen when I look at the screen. Karen, Karen, Karen. <laughs> so thank you again so much for being so open and vulnerable. I know that wasn't easy. And you probably walk around Greenville thinking, I wonder how many of these people read about my first sexual encounter. So <laughs> bravo to you for being so brave. Not enough, I'll tell you that. We'll keep, leading, we'll keep championing <laughs> menopause. I'm going to let you to handle the first sexual experiences. But thanks again for being with us today. Y'all go get the book. And Christina, what do we always say? Until next time, go and get your moxie on. Bye-bye now.